Hello and welcome to the Conscious Health and Life podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Louise, naturopath, and my aim for this podcast is to open your mind and help you to be empowered with your health. I interview experts in their field to discuss everything and anything health-related, mind, body, and spirit. I'm so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Hey there, today I have Mel Angus here with me, who is a certified fertility awareness educator and temp drop team member. She discovered cycle charting as a means to avoid pregnancy naturally and soon discovered how much hormone health impacted overall wellness. She is passionate about helping others benefit from this knowledge. She loves having the opportunity to work for a company that is leading the way in this area through Femtech Advancement. So I'm so excited to chat with you today, Mel. Um, I've got a list of questions that my audience has asked as well um, that I would love to go over with you. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Ellen. It's really nice that we've been able to join here. Yeah, it's great. I feel like it's a topic. I feel like every topic that I um, want to talk about on my podcast is so important to everyone, but this one is very much at the top of my list because I don't know about you, but I never knew about this until (laughs) my mid-20s, I would say, and most people it's older than that, you know? Um, Yes, you did did better than me. It was mid-30s for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's just like, it is um, crucial to all females to have this knowledge. And usually it's just not something that is spoken about, whether it's at schools or parents don't know the, don't know a lot of the time either. So it's not something that can be passed on, but this is why, um, yeah, businesses like Temp Drop and, you know, practitioners who are teaching all of their clients about this, it's, um, yeah, going to make ripples and just be able to influence the next generations, which I definitely see in my clinic, younger and younger girls getting into it, which is really cool. That's good. That's good to know. That's what we want. We need, we need this change. We really do, yeah. So I'd love to start off with um, understanding a little bit more from your perspective about, yeah, what is fertility awareness um, for people? Because this could definitely be uh, the first time someone has even heard those words. So yeah, I would love to hear from your perspective how you would explain that. Yeah. So fertility awareness is daily observing our body's what our body is telling us about our menstrual cycle. Um, This commonly includes tracking our cervical fluid or cervical mucus, which changes throughout our cycle. And then also other symptoms such as our basal body temperature or, um, or a nightly resting temperature. And if we track those things daily, pop them on a chart, we can actually identify when we ovulate each and every cycle. Mm -hmm. And what this helps us to understand is um, obviously how regular our menstrual cycles are because our menstrual cycle is really dependent on ovulation. Um, And we can also gain a lot of other insights, which we can talk about soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's like these two things that are quite simple to track Um, once, once you get the hang it. of it, yeah. Once yes. you know about it, and then once you get the hang of it, I feel like when I first started, it felt overwhelming. Like, how am I ever going to remember first thing in the morning? And it would stress me out um, to figure out basal body temperature. Um, but I guess that's how you know the temp drop makes things a lot easier. So, mm-hmm. yeah, would you be able to explain to us what or how to track the basal body temperature? Yes. So traditionally, because we're trying to capture a resting temperature, traditionally we would use a basal body thermometer, which is a little bit more finite than a normal fever thermometer. And we need to take that temperature as soon as we wake in the morning. So Mm -hmm. often that would entail setting an alarm before you get up, before you move, um, as you're kind of waking up, try to capture that temperature. Um, and what that does is then when you put that in a chart every single day, um, after we ovulate, our body temperature rises just slightly and we would be able to see that 
that difference after we ovulate. Um, but like you said, that traditional way of temping is not always easy. It's not always easy to be consistent. Um, yeah. We might forget. We might want to sleep in. We might, you know, lots of things can kind of impact getting that temperature day after day after day, especially if we're going to make mm. this a practice for years yes. um, for various reasons like like myself. So mm. temp drop um, technology allows us to be able to automatically capture that temperature without having to think about it. So mm. temp drops a wearable thermometer. It's it's something that you can wear overnight. It is placed on the inside of the arm just below the armpit. Mm. And yeah, it just takes your readings all night long. And then whenever you're up for the day, you remove it. And once you sync it to the app, then you've got your temperature. So it's an automatic way of doing that without having to stress about waking times or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, honestly, because I would I would wake up in the morning and be like, ah, oh, yeah, I woke up just having a little lay-in. And then I'm like, oh, I've got my temperature. <laughs> Or if you were anything like me when I first started, I used to lose sleep over worrying about taking this temperature. It's oh. like, you know, when you're preparing to go somewhere early in the morning and you just keep waking yeah. up all night. Yeah. The same thing happened to me when I first started oral, trying to oral track my temperatures. Yeah, it's definitely way easier since I've been using temp drop. And even people... Um, you know, because I was going to ask you is also about the limitations of doing manual basal body temperature mm. tracking orally, because mm. I find, I found there was, yeah, certain times where it wasn't working for me doing the oral temperature, mm. like if I was sick and these type of things. Yes. Um, and then, you yeah. know, working with clients, I work with a lot of nurses, um, yeah. for example. So the shift work basically makes it impossible yeah, to, it to do oral temp tracking because you can't do, like I had a client just today actually who's a nurse and she wanted to start doing oral temp tracking, but you can't do oral temp tracking if you're just sleeping through the day after a night shift, can you? Like it's not it's very not accurate. Ideal. Yeah, it can it can disrupt. Everyone's different, but it it can be more variable, um, especially mm. if you're going from night to day, night to day, and that's not – if you always slept through the day, then you might have a chance, but yeah, when you're sort of changing it up, it can be quite difficult to get a consistent – accurate result um yeah. the same for you know mums with the little ones or if you've got those pets that wake you up all night or um <laughs> yeah you know there's some lots, have cats. lots of different things yeah lots of different things when you drink yeah. alcohol when if you're a mouth breather because obviously your mouth inside your mouth is going to be a different temperature if you've had it open oh. prior to taking the temperature so there's quite a number of things that can impact that temperature and then you you know, sometimes you can take a temperature, look at it on the chart and go, oh, that just doesn't look right. Mm. And I have and I know there's a reason for it. But sometimes you're like, oh, I don't know whether that's affected or not. Yes. And then you've got to kind of make a call on whether you're going to use that in mm. interpreting whether you've ovulated or not. And that's where temp, temp drop is so much better because it's taking thousands of readings all night long. Mm -hmm. It's got this very smart algorithm. It's more than just a thermometer. It's got this yeah. smart algorithm that kind of filters through all that, what we term as noise. It filters through it all and it learns mm -hmm. your personal sleeping patterns and environment patterns and what's mm -hmm. your normal. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it can then, in most cases, filter any of those changes out. So if the, mm -hmm. if the room temperature is different, if you've, you know, had a drink of alcohol, if you're traveling, mm. all those things, by and large, it can handle it. As we say, the algorithm can handle it. Oh, and cool. you'll end up more consistent temperatures um, yeah. night after night after night. So other, I actually had never thought about the mouth breathing. So that would include mm. if people snore, usually snore yes. as mouth breathe. Right. I never thought of that one. Definitely the shift work, the young, the young bubs waking in the night, yeah. cats scratching at the door. That's a really common one that I hear from my clients that the, oh. yeah, the cat or the dog has to go out and 
you just jump up and do it without thinking yeah and you've lost that opportunity to catch yeah. that temperature or just yeah. poor sleep right like people yeah. just That's waking like insomnia up. <laughs> yeah insomnia where you're up and down up and down because you know again you're trying to capture that resting temperature and if your body's not completely at rest for a couple of hours before you take that oral temp it mm. can affect it whereas temp drop will be able to find the times when you are actually completely at rest and and pull yes. the result from those times mm, got you mm. yep and um so with the temp drop so even if you're having a poor night's sleep even if you're waking in the night um to your baby it's going to be able to find that lowest um basal body temperature to be you're able still, to do the tracking yeah. 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 It'll still be able to give you a reading from a time when you are asleep through the mm. night. So the only requirements is that you wear it for a minimum of three hours. Okay. And during the time that you wear it, you it detects that you've been asleep for two hours. Now those two hours don't have to be consecutive. It's just in the whole time you've worn it. Obviously, mm. if you want the the optimal way to use it is turn it on and put it on when you first go to bed, when you first go to sleep. And then remove it when you're up for the day. So mm. if you're up and down during the night, just leave it on. Yeah. And then as long as you've had two hours of sleep all during that recording session, it'll it be able work. to pull temperature for you. Yeah. Because I find since I've been using it, there's less of those outliers on the graph Yes. compared to when I'd yes. use my oral one and there'd be a random spike or a random drop <laughs> and I'd just like, yeah. cross that one out because don't know what that's for yes <laughs> yeah don't know what what, that, yeah. what that's for um okay and so in terms of um coming off any contraceptions would you recommend mm. would you recommend that people start using it before they come off so that they can get in the habit of it or is there any benefits of doing that beforehand yeah absolutely i mean it's Primarily, it's it's about recording your temperature. That's what the temp drop sensor is. Now, there is a charting app as well. Um, that's another component of temp drop that you, mm -hmm. you know, the whole system. But it's okay if you're not ovulating. You can still wear the sensor. You can still sync your temperatures every every morning or every day just to, like you said, form the habit. Yeah. Um, it will also still learn, for example, your environmental. Um, okay you know, the environmental temperatures, it'll it'll still learn your sleep patterns, which sure. is all great information for the algorithm to have, mm -hmm. even if you're not currently cycling, it doesn't matter. And the same applies as if you're postpartum and you're waiting for your return of fertility. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, it's kind of the same thing. You're not ovulating yet, but your temperature can still be recorded and you can mm. get in that habit. And, you know, once you do transition away from your hormonal birth control, well, mm. then you just keep rolling and then you start looking for your other fertility symptoms and wait for ovulation. And I guess that would be the same for any home, not just using oral contraceptive pill. It could be the same with if you have the Marina or the Implanon, you could still yeah. be using it. Yeah. yeah. And some people still do ovulate with the Marina, especially. Yes. So yes. you might see an ovulatory pattern even if you're not bleeding. Mm. Um, you, you, your temperatures could pick up that ovulatory pattern during that time that your marina is still in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like um, getting that data plus getting into the habit of yeah. doing it and just feeling, you know, I find it quite comfortable. I don't find it, like, intrusive in any way. Um, so I, yeah, I feel like it's just more the habit of getting into it and remembering, but it's remember kind of easier. It's easier to have that reminder. It's easier to remember before you go to bed rather than trying to remember something as soon as when you wake, wake up. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. As long as you, you know, keep it somewhere close by, you know, yeah. or I, you know, I hang mine on my little bed lamp. Yes, and yes, you can't forget every it. Every night so you don't forget it. Yeah, or set a little reminder in your phone even. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So um, before we go, before we talk more about those types of things, I'd love to just go back and talk a little bit more about the actual, like how tracking the temperature helps you to know mm -hmm. um, whether you are fertile or not yes. and how it syncs up with the app to then be able to tell you just compared to using a period 
tracking app. Mm. You know how the period tracking apps tell you everyone ovulates on day 14. (laughs) Yes, that's right. (laughs) So this is where fertility awareness is different than just tracking your periods Mm. to period tracking. I mean, period tracking, you're tracking bleeding events, Mm. but not every bleed is a true period. This is something that kind of blew my mind. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Not every bleed is a true period. And it doesn't necessarily mean you are ovulating mm. just because you're bleeding. Yes. So by adding this layer of a, of a minimum of temperatures, it's great if you can track more than just temperatures, but a minimum of temperatures, you're now adding this extra layer where you can actually see and identify if you are ovulating and when you're ovulating. Because like mm. you said, the medical model, the one we're all taught is that every woman has a 28-day cycle and every yeah. woman ovulates on day 14, which is not true at all. It's a very small percentage. It's I think it's like small. under 30% of people ovulate on day 14. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, we want to be able to narrow down and see when we are ovulating, confirm we're ovulating, and then find out when in order mm. to narrow that window of fertility because we're only fertile for around about a week of every cycle. Yeah. The few, the five or so days leading up to ovulation and then the couple of days of the ovulation event. Mm. So having this extra insight. So what happens is when we track our temperature, we'll, we will see it's kind of in a lower range from the first day of our period through to ovulation. And then after we ovulate, we produce progesterone, which warms our body. And then we should see typically this temperature jump and the temperatures stay risen for three days or more right through to the end of that cycle. So yes, it's, yeah. And then we would expect our period, our true menstrual period to follow around about two weeks after we ovulate. So Mm. now we're in a position where we can confirm we're ovulating. And once we confirm we're ovulate, we can accurately predict when our next period will be due because it's ovulation that dictates when our period is coming. Yes. That's right. Yes. And because, you know, after looking at so many of my clients' cycle data and temperature, I don't know if I've seen any of my clients ovulate on day 14 to (laughs) fair. And I ovulate on about day 12. So, you know, if I was to, if I was to think that, oh, I must ovulate on day 14. And if I'm trying to get pregnant, I, it would be a lower chance of, you know, actually being able to, same with late ovulators, you know, some people who ovulate on day like 18 or, um, you know, that little bit later, it's, it can be so frustrating when people are trying to fall pregnant and they're trying around the day 12 to 14, but really they're ovulating way later and they're just missing the mark by four days days. yeah and it only takes a couple of days doesn't it like or you could ovulate potentially earlier on day 10 Mm. or 11 that's right totally miss the window altogether this podcast is sponsored by my heal your hormones online program if you're ready to feel vibrant energized have amazing periods and gut health having deep restful sleeps plus feeling in control of your mood this is for you You will be guided by my years of clinical experience helping thousands of women just like you to firstly do the correct hormone testing that often gets missed, learn how to eat to nourish your hormones, and have the support and accountability all included. You will receive copies of my ebooks, access to me as your naturopath via one-on-one appointments, and a lifetime of knowledge to take with you. See the show notes in this episode to get started today. And and in addition to that, you know, like we're saying about um, tracking bleeding, mm. I've seen charts where it seems to be fairly regular bleeding. You know, it might someone might bleed every thirty five days, or thirty five days, and then forty days, or yes, twenty eight days, and then thirty six days. But when they've actually added the temperatures we figured out that those are not periods. These are breakthrough bleeds and mm. they haven't ovulated at all. So instead of they might have been thinking, oh, yeah, my cycles are fairly regular. They're around about, you know, 35 to 45 days. But then they went, well, actually my cycle was 70 days long or it was 80 days long and I didn't ovulate until day 70. So 
Mm. Just adding that one layer of temperatures alone gave all these insights, which then has allowed people to then, you know, pursue proper hormone testing or pursue yeah. But you've got yeah. the right information. You're not turning up at your practitioner and saying, yeah, my cycles are regular. Yeah. When in fact they actually weren't. They weren't. And those breakthrough mm-hmm. bleeds could be from low progesterone, which would exactly. definitely yeah. make sense for a longer Quite cycle. So yeah, it's, it's cool, isn't it? Being able to do all this detective work and yeah, so it's figure it out. Like, in a nutshell, instead of period tracking, you're ovulation tracking. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. That's right. And I guess the difference between just using an app is kind of just guessing when your next period is coming and guessing when the ovulation is based on a standard um, textbook cycle, which doesn't really exist. And um, whereas if we can do temperature tracking, cervical mucus tracking, we're getting to know your bio-individual cycle yeah and then if if a cycle is even if you have regular as clockwork cycles mm. sometimes something can disrupt just one cycle so that's whether right it's stress sickness travel whatever some big event dietary changes suddenly we can have this cycle how many of us have heard the old story of mum falling pregnant because she's using the rhythm method or the yeah, calendar yeah. method because something can affect ovulation, either bringing it forward or moving it back. Mm. And if we're not tracking our symptoms, these these more finite symptoms like cervical mucus and temperature, we don't know that. that it's and then suddenly we think, oh, I'm late for my period and you're freaking out if you're not wanting to get pregnant or if you are trying to get pregnant, you might be testing, 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 and yeah. it's negative and getting so disappointed mm. when in fact you just ovulated later than normal. And that can just happen randomly at any time. Mm. But by tracking these symptoms, you know in real time when it's changed, when it's changing right in front of your eyes. Yeah, that used to happen to me when I was traveling a lot and my (laughs) ovulation would start to either, yeah, either I would just skip a whole month, I wouldn't ovulate at all, or it would push back a week or two, my ovulation. Mm. And I put that down to more like, stress and you know changing time zones that type of thing um yeah probably poor sleep back in my back in (laughs) the doesn't help yeah diet change probably (laughs) yes probably so differently (laughs) yeah yeah and I think that so in terms of um avoiding conception so Mm -hmm. using it to avoid pregnancy so once you can get to know those ovulation periods or those fertile periods, um, we would then use protection on those days or avoid having sex on those days. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's important um, from our point of view just to mention that temp drop is not a contraceptive device in itself. Um, We can use temperature tracking plus cervical mucus tracking to safely, you know, identify our our fertile, fertile window, window each and every yeah. cycle and then it's up to you to you know mm. what you want to do within that fertile window if you want to avoid it altogether yeah use a barrier method um so yeah and this is you know the label for this is called the symptothermal fertility mm. awareness method it has been around for many many years it is scientifically based it's it been is, studied yeah. Yes. But to do it effectively, you need to learn a formal method. Mm. Um, You don't just rely on an app to tell you. Go and get the resources and learn a formal method. And you can do that either through uh, Mm. an instructor. There's many instructors now that are all certified, which is great. Yeah. Um, You can find them online or you can go to some organisations. They have self-learning resources. You can can get get your hands on and teach yourself if you feel confident. Yeah. Um, but there's, yeah, there's ways of learning those methods formally, but it is important because there's all these calculation rules yes. that can help you identify accurately when the fertile window opens mm. and then when it closes each and every cycle. Yes, yes. It's so interesting. Such a good tool yes. to have, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And TEPDROP can help you do that in the yes. sense that you don't have to think about getting these temperatures and it does have the inbuilt chart you can use as well. You can track your other symptoms in there, like your cervical mucus. If you're going to use Mm. ovulation predictor kits, you can put them all in the chart 
Yes. But then it's up to you to go and take that information and then identify your own fertile mm. each and every cycle. Yes. And what do you think of the um ovulation strips? Because I guess I have mm. a lot of my a lot of clients who haven't delved into temperature tracking um yep. rely on the ovulation strips mm. and and I honestly find it to be quite stressful for my <laughs> clients. <laughs> can be yeah I mean mm-hmm. they they are a useful tool no doubt about it and they can be a great extra layer to add mm-hmm. to your tracking but the problem with t- checking LH which is what it's detecting l- luteinizing hormone yeah. luteinizing hormone surges when your body is attempting to ovulate yes but it doesn't necessarily mean that that ovulation event will be successful. Sometimes if hormones aren't quite balanced well, it fails. The egg doesn't actually get released. And what your body will do in that case is it will gear up and try again and try mm. again until it's successful. That could go on for, you know, many attempts for some people. If you've yes. got a very long cycle, it could be multiple attempts. Mm. So. By using the test strips, you know, you're detecting LH and yes, it can surge, but that doesn't guarantee that you will successfully ovulate. Mm. This is where temperatures come into play because temperatures rise after ovulation. So it's kind of a cross check to help you understand was this ovulation attempt successful or not? Yes, yes, true. And I think that's such a good thing to understand that the LH strips don't confirm the ovulation. No. Though yeah. they just let you know that it, that it's your body's trying. The same as cervical mucus. It mm. is letting you know that your body is trying to ovulate as it changes yes. and becomes more fertile in fertile type. So it becomes more water laden, more yeah. slippery, stretchy, clear. That's letting you know that estrogen's rising and your body is moving towards ovulation. Mm. But again, it doesn't guarantee that that will be successful. So this is where work putting them all together helps one confirms the other kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Then you can get all the ticks and then you know it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Would you be able to run through what the main cervical mucus types are, especially Mm. the ovulation? What would be, because some people have never looked at their cervical mucus, like people don't look at their period blood or their poo as well. (laughs) All these important things we have. (laughs) yeah, sure. There's, so after we finish our period, we expect that for at least a few days we should have no cervical mucus, so it's kind of a dry sensation when we wipe. Um, if we were to look at the toilet paper after we wipe, we, we wouldn't expect to see anything on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as we move towards ovulation and estrogen starts rising, that will start us producing this cervical mucus, which is a is a very natural discharge and yeah. it's designed to help um, carry sperm through to the egg. That's the whole point of it. And it's also a very good sign of how healthy our cycle is. So we would expect to see um, more moisture when we wipe. And if we're actually checking with our fingers, we can touch the toilet paper afterwards. I know that sounds icky, but you get used to it. <laughs> just <laughs> get in there. <laughs> yeah, get in there. Or just at least, you know, examine what's on the toilet paper. And we would expect to see um, more moisture mm. as that increases. And it's often described as going from dry to a sticky, tacky, gluey kind of um, consistency through to a creamy lotiony, like get some moisturizer out and rub that on your fingers. That's kind of what yes. we expect to see as it becomes more moisture laden. And then finally, the most fertile type that we produce should resemble raw egg whites in its consistency. So that gives you a visual of, of you know, stretchy, mm. doesn't break easily. It's clear, mostly looks very clear. And when we wipe, it can be very slippery. Like, you know, mm. you'll just, even if you're not you know, taking that much note, you should be able to note when it's quite slippery to wipe. And that's yes. that egg white kind of fertile, very fertile type um, cervical fluid. Mm-hmm. And then after we ovulate, when progesterone starts to be made and that dominates, it should all dry back, back to dry again until our next period. Yes. And so how many days 
would you expect to see the egg white mucus there for approximately? Approximately, I know. We always we always <laughs> talk in textbook textbook terms. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we you know, we might see that for anywhere from three to six days before yeah. we ovulate, um, mm. depending, but most abundant in in the three, you know, kind three of between before. two and four days before we ovulate. That's probably when we notice mm. the most. Um, but if we're tracking carefully, once we learn again, when you go and learn a formal method, you actually learn how to get more in touch with this and, and yes. be much more observant about it, um, we would probably see a few more days than if we were just taking mm. notice when what's we're wiping it. Yeah, yeah, what's on the toilet yeah. paper. Yeah. I but just it think is, it's... it's important to note that it's not um, checking our underwear is not a good way to do this um, because, yeah, that that can kind of give us not a really accurate picture of our cervical mucus. Yes, yes, checking it properly, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I just think it's so amazing. The more that I learn about cervical mucus, the more that I just get absolutely mind blown by mm. what it, you know, it, it actually. What it's all about. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just amazing. It's incredible. How- and it even it even plays a role when we're trying to conceive in filtering out poor sperm. Yes. So, you know, it plays that role and even conditioning sperm to its full maturity. Like, yes. you know, it's it's vital stuff. It's very important. It's just amazing. Yeah, picks the right ones, helps yeah. to mature. The egg can help repair sperm. It's just seriously so cool. Just yeah, totally nerd out on this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like, you know, when people get a bit icked by checking cervical mucus because they feel icky even just saying that word because yes. it's this funny taboo thing that we can't talk about periods. But I feel like when you can understand how important cervical mucus is and what its job actually does, I feel like that helps you to be more okay with it and to yeah. be to be able to understand it better and the functions and then to be a bit more acceptable of it rather than you know girls just being embarrassed that their undies yeah. are a little bit wet yeah that's right yeah and it's just to me it's like tears or saliva it is just such a natural yeah part of 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 our body um and we're you know we can relate that if our mouth is really dry, for example, that oh, mm. something's not quite right. I'm thirsty. I'm. I need to go and replenish my, my yes, um, drink some water or whatever. Mm. Well, it's kind of the same thing. Once we get in tune with our mm. cervical mucus, then we can understand when our hormone balance isn't quite right because it's produced under the effect of hormones. And that's right. This, this is a vital key to understanding our fertility, but also our hormone health. Yeah, that's right. Because that's what I say to my clients, even if you're not trying to conceive and even if you don't, you're not even sexually active, this is still relevant. Like yeah, this is still awesome. relevant for your hormonal health to understand. Yeah. If you don't have cervical mucus or, you know, changes in your cervical mucus, or if you're not ovulating based on your temp tracking, you could be feeling so much better. Yeah, you know, because exactly. like the cervical mucus helps to protect um, all of your vaginal bugs, and it helps to exactly. protect everything in that area, like structural integrity of the cells as well. For anyone mm. who gets thrush and these types of symptoms, but yeah, I just really wanted to like reiterate that that even if you're not trying to predict your ovulation for around fertility, it's still so important to be doing these things yeah it's it's a sign of overall wellness and even you know if we have an abnormal what we you know we can mistake as cervical mucus all through our cycle the whole cycle Mm. it can actually be an indication of things like cervical dysplasia which is abnormal cells on the cervix which can be fixed easily if we know ahead of time Mm. but if we don't know that could then turn into cervical cancer later on so it it can give us some amazing insights if we know that's what we're looking at and what's normal and what's not normal yeah that's right it's just so insightful and but I feel like that's probably just because people get taught you know at school that 
if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant. And I don't know if that was the case, (laughs) um, we wouldn't be having all of these fertility problems in the world now. (laughs) Exactly. And I've even heard stories, sadly, of of some women being treated multiple times for um, like thrush Mm. when it wasn't. It was cervical mucus because they didn't understand that there is a normal discharge that that's there and they were like freaking out and going to the doctor and going oh I'm yeah. getting this discharge and and being wrongly treated a hundred percent in that case so yeah it can be it can really disrupt that's things right. for us if we don't understand yes that's true yeah good point saying that about the cervical because all the way through can also be um imbalanced because it definitely should have dry periods right Exactly. Yes, yeah. we should definitely experience a coming in and out of that fertile type. So mm. if we're not seeing that pattern, then that's an indication something's not quite right. Something's happening either with estrogen, progesterone, or something else going on structurally. For cells, yeah, that's yeah. right, structurally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so how long um, would you say would be a good amount of time for someone who's just starting to do temp tracking with temp drop, for example, how long um, to use the temp drop before you start to get good information about your fertile windows? Mm. So we always say, you know, it's you should chart at least three cycles before you, mm-hmm. you know, get the because it takes a little while to get to know what you're looking at, obviously. Yes. So, you know, be determined to stick at it. Um, give yourself at least a few weeks before you before you even expect to see an ovulatory pattern of any kind. Mm. Um, you know, because we need we need at least a, a few weeks of data on a chart to see an ovulatory pattern. It's yes. it takes patience. We're what watching and waiting for this pattern to emerge. It's not every day, like we don't look at what's today temperature telling me forget that we've got to look at the pattern over time Um, the same with our mucus what's today telling me well look at it in relation to yesterday and the day before and you know Mm. wait for this pattern to emerge but yeah if you're going to give cycle tracking a go which we hope you do fertility awareness (laughs) just just be in it for the long haul just sort of kind of think of a few months at least before I get enough information to now understand Mm. You know, you you might see an ovulatory pattern straight off the cuff. I remember when I first started, mm. I got it was when I um, stopped hormonal birth control, and I saw an ovulatory pattern in the first month, and I was amazed, and I was like, "Wow!" You know, yeah. blew me away. My cervical mucus took longer to get into a good pattern, but the mm. temperatures showed an ovulatory pattern straight away in the first cycle. Mm. But even though that happened, it still took me a few cycles before I started to really understand it better and get my get my head around it. So that's right. Yeah, give yourself some time. And TempDrop itself, the sensor when you're when you're recording your temperatures, um, you should be able to get usable temperatures within the first week of use. Mm. But like we said, it might take longer for that those temperatures to start start showing you some kind of ovulatory pattern depending on your individual cycles of course yeah that's right and with the contraception that was an interesting thing you said because I see that a lot with my clients coming off the um, contraceptive pill and yeah some people ovulate straight away some people it can take over a year to start Mm -hmm. ovulating again so that's but they still will get random spotting or breakthrough bleeds, but it's not actually the ovulation that's that's cycling. going on. Yeah, yeah. It can it's different for everyone, and it can like you know it can depend on so many factors. I mean, when I started, I did a lot to support my body because I'd learnt enough at the time to mm. to really do a lot to support myself um, out of that yes. phase of my life. But I also even though I can't even remember back before hormonal birth control, mm. I, I don't think I had any issues prior to, and that can be a factor as well. I mean, obviously, if you're a very, yeah. like, how many teenage girls now are being put on the pill because of irregular cycles and then not coming off for 10 years, so okay. their bodies never had a chance, never had a chance to regulate. Um, yeah, so and you wouldn't know what your period mm. was like before because if you're going on birth control at 15 your period isn't regular at 15 anyway. It's no. not normal for it to be. So 
that's yeah, your, your your brain hasn't even had time to mm. develop that, all those signal signal paths to your ovaries. So yeah, that's right. And so it can be very much depend on the individual, and then there's lots of factors like nutrition and so yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, I usually get people to start doing um, work with me three months before coming off the pill and then also to start temp tracking three months before coming off the pill just to get into the habit and for the um, information to get in there. And then they're just so set up for, you know, not getting, you know, post-pill acne or all of these things Mm. that can happen it just helps helps quite a lot to then you know also be empowered and get in touch with their cycles and be paying attention to their bodies even before they're coming off the pill so yeah I think that's great great advice yeah Yeah. to be patient with it yeah and I think in our like modern day society we're so used to just Getting the information, <laughs> which is why I think the, the LH ovulation strips are um, such a thing because, yeah, we can get that information and then we have sex right away and then we get pregnant. Whereas the long game is that it's the most natural thing in the body is the pregnancy. And I think that to take that slowly and have patience and the trust that it's going to happen at the right time, if that's what you wish for, then, you know, if you're doing all of the right things, you can be educated about when it's happening and be smart about it as well. You take a lot of that stress away. And ultimately you want your body to be in, you know, you want your cycles to be optimal if possible, because that's going to give you the best chance, your embryo, the best chance, Mm. um, through you know this this development a baby's life starts way back then with the egg <laughs> and the sperm so that's every, right you know the more optimal you can have everything the best chance yeah giving everyone yourself and your baby yeah yourself through the pregnancy as well you know yeah. the all your nutrient status and everything just can go down the drain if you haven't prepared for it mm, yes for sure yes. yeah and so um a couple of other questions that I had was about how the temp drop also um, gives you data about your sleep. And I've, mm. I've seen a lot of clients get quite interested in that as well and seeing the ben- seeing the changes of how their sleep improves, you know, when you mm. see that it's not that great and then you start, you know, turning lights off earlier, reading before bed, putting the phone away. So I found that really interesting too. Yeah, it's a great little addition. The sleep feature is a newer feature in TempDrop. Um, mm. TempDrop's been around since 2017, but it's primarily it was primarily made for ovulation tracking. Um, yeah. But the sleep feature was something that we were able to add because it does have um, a motion sensor and accelerometer and everything in there to help. Mm. Obviously, we're trying to find the times when you're most at sleep. So um, adding that sleep feature was a nice little addition. And, yeah, I mean, hormones are impacted by sleep. So yes. the more information you can have about that, the better, and then strive for better patterns. Um, That's right. And I find it interesting to look at the sleep data um, at the different stages of the cycle because I know a lot of mm-hmm. people have the sleep can be a bit disrupted in the week before the period. So yes. I always find it interesting to put those two and two together once we've got some of that information from the temp drop too Mm, because you know progesterone i as you know is a it should aid sleep so we should be sleeping better through our luteal phase yes prior to like prior leading up to ovulation i know that's when i have the most energy and Mm. often my sleep it's not that i'm tired i just i'm kind of buzzing because needs less yeah but you know if we're looking at our luteal phase and noticing that our sleep is worse Mm. That can be an indication that our progesterone isn't really optimal, not, not you know, great. So, yeah, yes. it's good little insights to have. Yeah, and I think just doing your symptom tracking and getting to know, you know, getting to know what your symptoms are like around different phases of your cycle and mm. is this normal, is this not normal? You know, I'm not really supposed to be super moody. You know, we can have little <laughs> mood changes before the period, mm. but it shouldn't be you know 
tearing down. Shouldn't be impacting us so much. Yeah, PMS, well, you know, bad PMS symptoms are common. Mm. They're not. We shouldn't need to go through that because if if our hormone balance is optimal, we won't have all that and it shouldn't be disrupting our life. That's exactly right, yeah. And I feel like even just, yeah, giving this attention to the body, investing in your body, investing in yourself, getting to know what these cycles actually are rather than just viewing them as an inconvenient thing that happens every month. Um, it can yeah. actually be really, really empowering. It is. Yeah, I know yeah. that for me because I was someone who had no clue and never understood and then to understand now is amazing and even improve, you know, our relationship, my husband yes. and I, because we could be, once I understood myself, then, of course, I could relate to him better how that's I was right. feeling and why I'm feeling that way. And that's what I love about it. I know when I'm having a less than optimal cycle, and I can convey that and go, mm. yeah, this is why I feel this way. Yeah. And we we can work together better around that, that, you know, totally living in sync with our cycles rather than just being all up in the air and not knowing what's going on. Yeah. And you just get to pick and choose like, okay, week before the period, probably not going to go into that big life decision. In that <laughs> Good idea. Probably not going to have that huge conversation if we could possibly person. help it and then yeah. we have those other times when we're like why now why now yeah we yeah don't want this now. but yeah. yeah whereas you know I try to pick certain days um you know to be like recording podcasts for example or like hosting webinars that I do I try to choose particular days of my cycle where I am going to feel more energized and confident and extroverted um and then there's days of, of the cycle where I'm like I, I'm not going to do anything today. I'm just going to have a little couch day and maybe make some pretty things on Canva and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And of course, you know, I feel lucky that I can do that with my job and I can choose when I want to do things, but Mm. it's also, um, you know, adaptable in everyone's life. I believe that no matter what type of job or lifestyle you're doing, there's always small little changes that we can make to make our lives a little bit more in sync with our cycles. Yes. Yes. And just be able to cope better with those days. Yeah, that's right. Because you understand why. (laughs) Yes, that's right. And people around you can understand why for sure. Love that. Um, Great. Well, I feel like what I was talking to you about before we got, before we started recording um, was that I also feel like this episode is important for people's partners to listen to as well, because I've felt that some of my clients feel resistance from their partner um, about using basal body temperature tracking and Uh, I think that this is just a great opportunity for both people on the fertility journey or the not fertility journey to be aware of how things work and Mm. to be empowered and have the education around it. So yeah, I just wanted to express that. And I think it's just better in relationship, isn't it, for everyone to be knowledgeable. It is. Yeah. And and you don't have to go in depth, like, Mm. um, but just to for partners to understand the basics of how it works. And you can, even with TempDrop, you can both have the app on your phone, um, just log in using the yes. same account, and then they can, you know, they can be watching as well as these changes are happening. What part of the cycle are you in? If I they like can become that. more involved and, you know, you can teach them mm. <laughs> as best as possible. And even as fertility awareness educators, we're often taught when we do our certification is is to try and do one lesson with both. yes like one of the lessons include the partner and that's you know they need to really understand it because yeah of course it's scary if we don't Mm. or if it's just that unknown that in itself can just straight away put a barrier up yeah I feel like a lot of people get quite anxious about coming off contraception um and then the partners feel that anxiety as well so I feel like yeah if people can be feeling empowered about when the fertile periods are, it just helps. Yeah, two people, two people's brains are yes, usually always better than one <laughs> on the same page. Yeah, and you've also got to 
there's got to be some patience involved, especially as you're learning, like when you're first starting to learn, like we said, you know, charting those three obligatory cycles, getting Mm -hmm. them on the chart, getting your head around them. And then you, we all have these cycles that just come from left field that are weird. They're not typical. And sometimes that if we're avoiding pregnancy, especially and avoiding that fertile window, that will mean waiting extra days because we're just not 100% sure. And of course, you've got to have have your um, partner on board with that. Have the communication open already. Yeah. 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 I feel like having that knowledge beforehand, being able to understand it, then when something, if something does come up, it's just easier to go from there. You can work through it, you know, and and know yeah. that it's not always going to be like this. It's just, it's mm. life. sometimes it throws us a curveball. Yeah, that's right. Oh, this has been so good thank you so much mel thank you yeah it's been great no, it's been great to have a little chat and we hope you know we know that temp drop makes fertility awareness so much easier to practice consistently mm. especially if you're going to do it day after day after day um and it's an well in my opinion an amazing device i mean it, it was a yes. game changer for me i started out with oral yes thermometer back in the day and it was a game changer and that's why I love it so much and I Mm. I do believe it's a valuable tool that that women can use throughout their reproductive life whatever their fertility journey is yes that's right and I will put um the links to the temp drop and just more information about it all in these um show notes of this episode so if it's something that you're interested in um yeah, feel free to have more of a read. I feel like we've been quite comprehensive here um, about all of those, you know, inkling kind of questions that I always get asked by my clients um, and people, you know, just on social media asking about it. So I feel like that was a really good overview of how it works, limitations to oral um, temp tracking, and then how we overcome those by using a wearable device instead and understanding cervical because tracking yeah thank Thank you. you so much mel lovely to have you thank you so much for listening to this episode of the conscious health and life podcast please share this episode with your friends subscribe to this podcast and give us a five star review you can also follow me on instagram at ellen naturopath for more have an amazing day